I'm Dr. John Cook. This is John Cook Ministries. And I want to welcome you to our continuing study on 2 Timothy. As we continue our series on the pastoral epistles. Today's lesson is lesson eight. This is part number seven of that lesson. We're going to be looking at 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 11 through 14. The purpose of these studies is simply to encourage the study of the Word of God, to believe the words of God. I submit to you today that only by believing the words of God, obeying the words of God, will you have God's blessings in your life? Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. Every word is important. That's why we stay with the King James Bible. A Bible that does not change the words, does not question the words, but just simply states the words of God. So take your King James Bible and go to 2 Timothy, chapter 2. And just as an introduction, we're going to look briefly at verse 10. To understand what we find in the scriptures we will be looking at today, we have to understand that Paul is speaking to born-again believers. He's not speaking to the lost. He's speaking to Christians. That's the context of 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 10. It says, therefore, I want to adjust this so it's a little bit larger. I endure all things for the elect's sake. In the New Testament, the elects, the elect are those that are saved. They're the ones who are on their way to heaven. They're saved by God's grace. You're not elect. Calvin said that there were some who were elect for heaven and some who were elect for hell. At least that's the implication of what he taught. But Jesus Christ died for the sin, sins of the whole world, the Bible says. In 1 John, he says he's the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. God sent his only begotten son into this world to die for the lost, which is all men. 
says John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Salvation is in Christ alone. And if you want to be saved, you, you can only be saved through the Lord Jesus Christ. But now we're dealing with those who have trusted Christ. That's the elect. You become elect just as soon as you accept the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. And notice he says, I endure all things for the elect's sakes, that they may also, Christians he's talking about, may also obtain the salvation which is in Christ Jesus with eternal glory. So this salvation is not talking about them obtaining what they already have. Because the moment we trust Christ as our personal Savior, confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, believe in our heart that God hath raised him from the dead, and we're saved. The moment we've received the Lord Jesus Christ, as our Savior, then we're born into the family of God. We're immediately his children. We are immediately saved. So this is not salvation from our sins. This is salvation of our life to live as the Savior would have us to live. To glorify our Lord and Savior. To glorify our Heavenly Father. That's the salvation he's talking about. The salvation of our life. Or our lives. With eternal glory. Which is the future. Glory that comes through our inheritance. That God speaks about in Romans chapter 17. And let's look at that. And sorry. Romans chapter 8 verse 17. Whoops. I just messed mess myself up here. Romans chapter seven, 8 and verse 17. There is no Romans 17. So if you're looking for it, you're not going to find it. But Romans chapter 8 and verse 17 says, And if children, then heirs, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. If so be that we suffer with him, that we may be also glorified together. For I reckon that the suffering, sufferings, of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So, this eternal glory he's talking about is the glory of our Savior in his kingdom. And we're going to share in that glory, the Bible says. 
So, if we understand then that he's talking to Christians, then we can go on and look at 2 Timothy chapter 2. And verse 11 says, It is a faithful saying, for if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. So he's speaking to Christians here. He's not speaking to the lost man. If you are not saved, you are dead in your trespasses and sin, Ephesians chapter 2 tells us. Without God, without hope, without covenant, without promise. That's the condition of the lost man. But now, in Christ Jesus, we are dead with him, and we are also, or we shall also live with him. This is a faithful message, a faithful saying, Excuse me, i got to get a drink. This is a faithful saying. That term, faithful saying, is used four times in Scripture. Here, in 1 Timothy 1.15, it says Christ Jesus came to save sinners. That's a faithful message. We can faithfully preach the salvation that is in Christ Jesus. 1 Timothy 4, 8, 9, that godliness is profitable unto all things. That's a faithful saying we can preach. Sorry, I seem to have a frog in my throat. It says, dead with him, that we are, 2 Timothy 2, 11, here we read, if we be dead with him, we shall also live with him. So if we live in this world, dead to the world, as Christ was dead to the world, we shall also live with the Savior. I think I need to get his cough drop. Excuse me just a moment. Sorry about that. That's one of the problems with live broadcasts is you never know what's going to happen. But let me get back to what we were talking about. If we live in this world, dead to the world, but alive with the Savior, then we share in his glory. That's a faithful message we can preach to men. In Titus chapter 3 and verse 8, we're told that it's faithful, it's a faithful message that we can preach to men to be careful to maintain good works. These are things we can preach without fear of contradiction. These are truths. We can speak them with the authority of the Word of God. God's words are faithful and pure words, the Bible tells us. Look at Psalm chapter Psalm chapter. 12 and verse 6 and 7 says the words of the Lord are pure words as silver tried in a furnace of earth purified seven times thou shalt keep them O Lord thou shalt preserve them from this generation forever notice this is talking about the words of the Lord they are pure words They are tried words, and God keeps them, and God preserves them. So 
the Word of God, the Bible that we have, the King James Bible, is God's words. It's his pure, tried words. It's his kept words. It's his preserved words. These are, this is the authority we have to preach with. If you're training for the ministry, you better find out what your authority is. Because if it's just your opinions, then your opinions are just as worth as much as the world's opinions or anybody's opinion. Now, notice as we go back to 2 Timothy chapter 2, and let's go back to verse 11. It's a faithful saying that if we be dead with him, this we again is referring to Christians. So when he says if we, he's talking about Christians. The Apostle Paul is talking to Christians. Then we, there it is again. So the old man is crucified with Christ. Romans chapter 6, verse 5 through 7. says, For if we have been planted together in the likeness of his death, we shall be also in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old man is crucified with him, that the body of sin might be destroyed, that henceforth we should not serve sin. For he that is dead is freed from sin. So we are dead with him. And we've been made free from sin. Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20 tells us that we are crucified with Christ. The Apostle Paul says, I am crucified with Christ. Christian, this is what we can say. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So, I am crucified with Christ, he says. And now I live in Christ. It's his life in me that gives me life today. And I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Wow, think of that. I know I'm saved because I am dead to this world. I am alive in Christ, and I live not by myself, but by the faith of the Son of God. He loved me and gave himself for me. My old man's crucified. If we be dead with him, 2 Timothy chapter 2 tells us, if we be dead with him, 
then we shall also live with him. This living with him is the Christian lives in the Savior. In Romans chapter 6 and verse 8, Romans chapter 6 and verse 8 says, Now if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dieth no more. Do you know that? Do you know that Christ being raised from the dead, he doesn't die anymore? Death hath no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. In that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise. That word likewise means in the same way. Reckon yourselves. Reckon ye also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. Dead to sin but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. The result, let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body, that ye should obey it in the lust thereof. Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive. I'm having a joy today. Just had a telephone call come again on the on the phone, right in the middle of what I'm saying. And now I lose track of what I'm saying. So if we are dead with Christ, then we believe we're going to live with him. We are to reckon ourselves, verse 11 says, we are to reckon ourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. We are not to allow sin to reign in us. You notice that let not? That means that you've got to give it permission. Let not sin therefore reign in your mortal body. That ye should obey it in the lust thereof. When we obey sin in our mortal body, this body of flesh, we choose it. We're not to yield our members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield our members unto God as those that are alive from the dead. And your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. So we're to yield ourselves to God. That means yielding everything about ourselves to God. You know what our problem is? Our problem is, is that we're weak. Our flesh is weak. But just wait. The day's coming. When God is going to complete his work in us, 
And we will no longer be weak, but victorious. Now look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12. He goes on to say, if we suffer, we shall also reign with him. If we deny him, he also will deny us. Now there's a couple of things there. The first one is, if we suffer. He's still speaking to born-again Christians. Suffering requires endurance by the grace of God. 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 9 tells us, says, And he said unto, unto me, My grace is sufficient for thee. My strength is made perfect in weakness. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may reach rest upon me. So my grace, God says, is sufficient. Whatever you face in your life, God's grace is sufficient to bring you through it. That's true of each and every one of of us as Christians. And believe me, if you're going to be in the ministry, you're going to have to endure some things. In 1 Peter, he speaks. First Peter, let's see, First Peter chapter 4 and verse 13. says, but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings, that when his glory shall be revealed, ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. So we're to rejoice when we have to go through sufferings. He says, if ye be reproached for the name of Christ, happy are ye, reproached. For the name of Christ. Happy are ye. For the spirit of glory and God resteth upon you. On their part, that's the world, he is evil spoken of. But on your part, he is glorified. So by our enduring the reproaches of this world for the name of Christ, we glorify Christ. But let none of you suffer as a murderer, or as a thief, or as an evildoer, or, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on, the, on this behalf. So, we may suffer. We may suffer for the Savior, but it'll be the Savior who brings us through it. Verse 19 says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God. It, it, it's the will of God. Commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto a faithful creator. So what we're to do is when we're going through difficulties in our lives and trials in our lives, we're to commit ourselves to 
God and trust his grace and his promises to carry on and be what God wants us to be. We, if we suffer, 2 Timothy 2.12 tells us, if we suffer with him, then we're going to reign with him. Christian, that's our future. If we suffer with him. Suffering is, con- is a condition for our reigning with him. Romans 8.17. Look at Romans chapter 8. And verse 17, I think we were there before, but let's go back there. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if so be that we suffer with him, we shall also be glorified together. So suffering is a requirement to sharing in his glory. In Colossians chapter 3 and verse 24, we read, Knowing that of the Lord ye shall receive the reward of the inheritance, for ye serve the Lord Christ. So suffering and service for God are required if we're going to share in his glory. In Ephesians chapter 6 and verse Ephesians chapter 6 and verse 6 I think it is not with eye service as men pleasers but as the servants of Christ doing the will of God from the heart with good will doing service as to the Lord and not to men. So whatever job God allows us to have in this world, we're to do it as unto the Lord and for his glory and for his testimony's sake that the world doesn't have anything to rebuke the Lord for because of our misbehavior. See, what we want to hear is what Luke chapter 9 and verse 17 is said to the one servant, well done. Thou good and faithful servant. That's what we want to hear when we face the Savior. But that's not the end of what we read in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 12. Because it isn't just we shall also reign with him. Or if we suffer, here is if we deny him, he will also deny us. Now, that's confusing to many. The we is Christians. He's talking to Christians. Why would we deny the Savior? Because of the weakness of our flesh. Everyday living, sometimes we become very comfortable with, and we don't want to go through the suffering that's required to live for the Savior. Our flesh is weak. Peter was told that his flesh was weak. If he needed to watch and pray, then we certainly need to watch and pray. 
The spirit is willing, Jesus said, but the flesh is weak. Peter denied the Lord three times. Sometimes we fall and find fault with Peter. But the truth is, we're guilty of doing this many times in our lives. So, if we deny him, he will also deny us. But then verse 13 says, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful. He cannot deny himself. So, he can't deny himself. So, there seems to be a contradiction between verse 12 and verse 13. What's he talking about denying us? He can't be talking about our salvation. Because Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 13. Look at this. In whom ye also trusted after that ye heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, that we heard the gospel, we trusted Christ. In whom also after that ye believed, ye were, ye were sealed with that Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. So we have been sealed, and the earnest has been put down for our inheritance. And we're sealed right unto the, de- unto the redemption. That's the, when the Lord comes back in the air and receives us unto himself. The certainty of our salvation is the sealing of the Holy Spirit of God. We can't be talking about that. What's he talking about? Well, he's talking about that if we deny him, he also will deny us in the sense that we will lose our inheritance. Not our salvation, but our inheritance. Our inheritance is a reward. It's conditioned upon suffering and serving for the Savior, as we've already seen. But it can be lost when we fail to suffer and serve the Savior. Revelation, uh, Romans chapter 3 and verse 11 says, In whom ye also trust. Sorry, that didn't change, did it? Romans 3 and verse 11 says, There is none that understand, there is none that seeketh after God. They are gone out of the way, they are together become unprofitable. That's the wrong scripture. It's because I said Romans, and I should have said Revelation. So let's try Revelation 3 and verse 11. Behold, I come quickly. Sorry, folks. <laughs> Things are not going right today. This is why I have a hard time teaching these Bible studies, because my mind doesn't work exactly right sometimes. So I apologize to you. Behold, I come quickly, hold that fast which thou hast, that no man take thy crown. Somebody can take your crown. Somebody 
is out to take your crown. So he's warning you to hold on fast to what you've got. Serving the Savior. We can lose by failure to serve the Savior. There's an example in Galatians chapter 5. I want to give you some examples here. Galatians chapter 5, verse 19. These are the works of the flesh. These are what people do. The works of the flesh are manifest, which are in which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lasciviousness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulation, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envyings, murders, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not, now to get this, shall not what? Inherit the kingdom of God. This is talking about our inheritance, not our salvation. And then look at First Corinthians chapter six. And let's see what do we want there. 1 Corinthians 6 and verse 9. So let's go down to verse 9. Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit, there it is again, inherit the kingdom of God. Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers in themselves of themselves, with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. Now watch this. Watch this. This is important. First Corinthians 6 and verse 11. And such were, that's past tense, some of you, but ye are, this is present tense, washed, but ye are, present tense, sanctified, but ye are, present tense, justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So, we can be guilty of doing those things, but we are not those things any longer. It's impossible for us to be those things because he says, such were some of you, but Ye are washed, but ye are sanctified, but ye are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. So, is it possible for a Christian to be guilty of these things? Yes. What's the, what's the problem? That's the flesh. The works of the flesh. But God has saved us from the works of the flesh. 
So if we deny him, he will deny us. Deny us what? He denies us our inheritance because we lose it. We lose the crown. We're not suffering and serving the Savior, with and serving the Savior. Then in 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 13, if we believe not, yet he abideth faithful, he cannot deny himself. If we believe not, now there is that we word again. So we know we're talking to Christians still. The weakness of the flesh under torture may cause us to lose our faith. The weakness of the flesh through the doubting that comes our way. I mean, you think about it. You think of the, look at your past when you, you're now saved and Look what happened even since you got saved. And sometimes we doubt whether, whether we are saved. Where does that doubt come from? From the devil. He uses our flesh against us. And we lose our faith. But it's good that it's not our faith that counts. It's the faith of our Lord Jesus Christ that secures us. Look at Galatians chapter 2 and verse 16. Knowing this, that a man is not justified by the works of the law, but by the faith of Jesus Christ. How are we justified? By the faith of Jesus Christ. Even we have believed in Jesus Christ, that we might be justified, justified by the faith of Christ, and not by the works of the law. For by the works of the law shall no flesh be justified. So, we have been justified by the faith of Jesus Christ. And, now our life is hid with Christ in God. We have eternal life because of the Lord Jesus Christ. God remains faithful. Where I trip and fall, the Lord is waiting right there to take care of me. Ephesians chapter 3. And let's see, verse 12 again. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence. How? By the faith of him. Not by the faith of this weak flesh, but the faith of Jesus Christ. So he says, wherefore, I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. If we deny him, he can't deny us because he can't deny himself. The Lord never fails. 
He will complete the work he started in us. And he cannot lie. Titus 1-2 tells us. He cannot deny himself. We were born into his family. John chapter 1. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. When I get this, which were born, not of blood, nor the will of the flesh, nor the will of man, but of God. We have been born of God. You can't unborn something when it's been born. That's our consolation. That's the thing that keeps us going. Jesus. Hebrews 12. And verse 2 says that he is the author and finisher of our faith. He's the one who started it. He's the one who finishes it who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. So he endured the cross that we might be saved. He is the author, the one who authored salvation, and he is the one who finishes salvation. He's the author and finisher of our faith. The Lord is the one who saves us and keeps us. He cannot deny himself. He can never say of the believer, I never knew you. Because John chapter 10 says he knows his sheep by name. Our salvation is not what's in question in this chapter but our inheritance in the millennial reign of Christ is what is set forth in this chapter. So what are we to do? Well, look at 2 Timothy chapter 2 and verse 14, and let's see what it says. For as much then, sorry, it didn't do it again, my, my mistake, 2 Timothy 2, and verse 14. Of these things, put them in remembrance, charging them before the Lord that they strive not about words to no profit, but to the subverting of the hearers. So what are we to do? We're to put in remembrance Our, uh, church members, when we preach to Christians, we're to remind them of these things. Remind them that we are dead with the Savior. Remind them that we must suffer with the Savior. Remind them that the knowledge of our salvation is secure in the Savior. And then having reminded them, then we are to order them to charge them, he says. Sorry, my outline's falling apart on me here. 
We are to charge them. That's giving orders, not suggestions. Instructing and commanding is what charge means. To do our duty. And that is, don't argue about words. That's just unprofitable. This is said over and over again through Timothy and through Titus. It's good for us to remember in our day because words are twisted. For example, the word gay doesn't mean what is being used today to mean. It means happy, joyous. I think about when President Clinton made the statement, depending on what the word is, is, means, what the meaning of the word is, is. See, you can twist words, and that's what the devil's good at. He twists words. In fact, at the very beginning, in Genesis, he says to Eve, Yea, hath God said. He twists by questioning the word of God. The problem is, is that arguments about words subverts the hearers. There's no benefit to them. They're useless, except to cause trouble. This is the real purpose that Satan wants us to get so involved in higher education and Bible revisions, is to twist the scriptures, to overthrow the scriptures, to establish another truth, which is not a truth at all. In fact, in Galatians, he said he was surprised that they'd gone away from the, the truth of the gospel to another gospel, which is not another. The purpose is to confuse, to, con to, to corrupt, to pervert the hearers. The whole idea is, is to destroy the faith of the hearer. Listen, one of the reasons that the devil wants us to question the word of God is because that's, the, the, that's our foundation. That's what we're built upon, the words of God. If you rip the foundation out, what do you think is going to happen to the building? So, we who are to preach the word of God must be on our guard to preach God's words, not the words of men, not our words, not our opinions. What does the Lord say? Thus saith the Lord is our message. Our responsibility, responsibilities under the Savior, under the chief shepherd, we are only under shepherds. Our responsibility is to take care of and feed the flock of God. And we can only do that by studying what God says, not what men say. And we'll get to that in the next chapter.
But for now, we're going to close this right here. And we'll pick up on the next part of this chapter and see what we are to study, which is to study the words of God, to know them. We'll look at that next.